From Los Angeles, California, on the MTV Podcast Network, this is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Our guest in the studio this week, the Asian E-40 from Yo, Is This Racist? Andrew T. What up, what up, what up? Uh, I don't have a good E-40 voice. It's, you showed up to that intro. You just you- gotta go like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> he goes high and low in a, in a really pleasing way, which I can't and sitting at the other end of this table, the inventor of a hyper normcore fashion, Molly Lambert. When they go low, we go hyphy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We brought it home. Brought it home already. Just getting things done. This is, I don't even know when this show is going to air. This show is going to air sometime in uh, 2019. Uh, I mean, well, most importantly, this show is going to be excavated from the rubble and someone will be listening to it. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about dystopia today and about the new Adam Curtis film, Hypernormalization, which Molly and I both independently watched without talking about that we were going to do this. Last night, we uh, realized you were doing it too. Hypernormalization is this Adam Curtis documentary that you were saying it's like, I don't know, there's something comforting about it because it brings order to the chaos of the last few decades. It creates a universal theory about how we got to this point which is better than just being like everything is a nightmare and we don't know why. It makes you feel like there is an order and like America made this happen to itself um, by making a bunch of bad decisions over the years. Um, and, and that's comforting? It's, it, it is. It's comforting if you're very a very negative person. <laughs> Wait, what um, is this movie about? It's a documentary. It's this guy, Adam Curtis, who is a British guy who makes – really depressing documentaries about uh, psychology, kind of like, he's kind of like the progenitor of YouTube documentaries because it is kind of like found footage and just taking things from a billion sources. The cool thing about Adam Curtis as a filmmaker is that he works for the BBC. And so all of these movies are there. I don't think they're released theatrically most of the time, but like you can find them all on YouTube of like in their entirety. The picture is not amazing, but uh, you can, he does things with pop music and with uh, clips from movies and stuff that I think you probably couldn't do in a theatrically released movie. But you can also uh, watch them at, at home in uh, the dark uh, under a blanket, which is probably the way they should be experienced. Yeah. He makes these documentaries. His most famous one is called The Century of the Self. Mm-hmm. And it's about sort of how psychology and advertising are best friends. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I realized as I was watching it and then talking to other people who had watched it, um, because it's the kind of thing you watch it and then you want to tell everybody you know to watch it so you can talk about it because it's about sort of how the American dealings in with Libya and Syria and other countries through the years led us to this point in Middle East relations with America, uh, how we fucked them over so many times that they got mad and then we, America was surprised they were so mad. Um, and just Europe and sort of, you know, leading up to it leads up to what essentially feels like right this minute. Yeah, it came out in October, I think, in on the BBC. And so they didn't know at the time what was going to happen in the election. But if you if you watch it, it's it's he he basically knows or he you can sort of you can assume like, you know, how he would have bet because it cuts to America at a certain point, And it's like, hey, remember the 70s when New York was completely falling apart and then. 
the banks refused to cooperate with the city, and then Donald Trump became a famous person. Uh, and sort of oh, talking man. about how Donald Trump was a famous person who, you know, was not a good businessman, but became famous for being a celebrity tycoon. And then talking about Putin and the sort of recent Putin uh, stuff and what this sort of astroturfing as a political strategy mm-hmm. uh, and this idea of like blurring the line between the real and the fake that nobody knows what is real and what is fake anymore. Um, so that even sort of counter movements to horrible things might be like funded by the people who make the horrible thing. Right. Like the political theater that goes on in Russia, it's a very digressive movie, obviously. So it goes to all of these places. That's also about like suicide bombing and like how that spread from Hezbollah to sort of like, it's also three hours long. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And like, this sounds like a slog and like a really grueling and depressing experience. Oh, I couldn't wait to watch it. It's really like, (laughs) I'm now like my, like, yeah, my priorities are now screwed up. So I'm like, dude, I can't, wait to exactly like throw on that Adam Curtis that new Adam Curtis no, joint is on YouTube <laughs> me too but like it's really good in that sense but also like he is very he's really into sci-fi he's into like pop music he has great like I have a playlist that I'm uh, keep updating on Spotify called sick Adam Curtis drops because he gets like there's like really good kind of like like old Brian Eno and like the, you know just a lot of different stuff and like, like Aphex Twin and stuff too right. yeah and he pulls in there's you know like uh, there's an amazing sequence in this movie that's set to to uh, Dream Baby Dream by Suicide. And it's talking about, basically, it's this riff on the imagination of disaster, how we spent all of this time, like, pre-9-11, imagining sort of, like, the destruction of America. And so he cuts together eventually the disaster footage, but first just the shots of actors reacting to shit blowing up in like deep impact and Armageddon and all these things. And like people holding each other and kind of like, you know, you realize that all of those are grammar to all those shots. And like, like when you see a bunch of them in a row set to the song, it's really like, and his, his point is basically that like we basically started, you know, that theater of the mind, like we started imagining these horrible external enemies. And then we eventually created them, out of right. like because we needed to actually have something to point to, and so it's right. like it talks a lot about first well, we Gaddafi. created them, and then we created the monster that will protect us from them. Yes, there we it's go. It's about yeah. sort of, and it's about kind of the way that conflicts that are very complex uh, became just sort of flattened into easy to understand, like this is good and this is evil. And how that did everybody a disservice because it was not ever true. And one of the people they use as sort of the example of, of how this happened is Gaddafi. Uh, right, because it's, it's complicated. Because it's complicated. And again, like when you see young Gaddafi and he's talking about like, yeah, I had to get out of England because British people are super racist in a way where they're condescending to you because of colonialism. It's like they, I, which is a thing that I've been thinking about a lot. It's just sort of like you know, racism, the casual racism of somebody who is like, oh, well, you know, this person of color who works for me, they don't count, even though like we're best friends and like they're great, but like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, what happened in the election. Yeah. But it sounds terrible when you describe it because it sounds like a really pretentious, like annoying documentary. Well, do you guys find that shit like uplifting? Like when when you can like when the causes of apocalypses are explained? I mean, I I guess it's weird because you're watching it. And and I guess the way I should feel is, is, God damn it. Why couldn't this why couldn't somebody put this these threads together? 
before. Before, but it's kind of like nobody, it, the people who watch these movies and the people who d- decide these policies that the movies are describing, there's like no overlap between those yeah. two worlds. Well, what I was saying, we were talking about body swaps earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel when like. you say we, you mean, I mean me and you on Twitter. You and me, me and Andrew on Twitter were talking about how America and China are in a body swap comedy. But, uh, you know, just because America is like, what? News yeah. that's been doctored and all <laughs> powerful so dictators? Now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what I realized about hypernormalization and me wanting to tell everybody I know to watch it is that we have become the crazy neocons of the left. Because this is like that 9-11 documentary that all the Alex Jones people are super into but for lefties, it's like a crazy conspiratorial documentary that mm. you feel very strongly actually. But is does it does real. it point as many fingers? I feel like that's that's the thing with what it I, points all the fingers at America. It's like well, America's yeah. fucked, okay. <laughs> and they did it to themselves, right? And here's why, and here's how politics became useless, and the entire government became a puppet of big business. And here is Donald Trump, the ultimate figure of big business right but also of donald trump is sort of the ultimate facade it's all about facades and about creating the facade of control and the facade of just unlimited power and how donald trump's whole career was about creating the facade that he was like a talented businessman who was very rich by having sort of the outward signifiers of wealth even though he ran all his businesses into the ground and is now going to make america the world's biggest atlantic city Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that way, it does feel comforting because it feels like somebody is telling you, you know, what happened. Right. But not that it's going to be. See, that I, f- I feel like a lot of conspiracies, people love them because it's like, OK, someone else is in control. Like this shit is not off the rails, even though it might not be the rails I like. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's comforting somehow to to it, it brings order to something that is, is seemingly. Yeah random and chaotic and insane when you some when you realize that like oh everything actually fits together but then like the greatest form of insanity is feeling like everything is connected right like that right. you start to make a presbelewski wall or whatever yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's, yeah and i mean there are whole- <laughs> is that what that thing is officially called is the presbelewski wall <laughs> no well it's i or it's like i think like it's the carol wall it depends if you're like an always sunny person like i'm just like like the, the crazy wall that like you know string yeah, yeah, yeah. string and pins like you start to like just- once once you bring too many things into the, the picture like i was looking at like uh, the a uh, mind map of pizza gate the yeah, other day. yeah, yeah. And that is incredible because it's just there's things that they just have in there that like there's a corner of it that has Marina Abramovic in it. Like that's just so it's like it's she's connected to all those things. I find it comforting the same way I find Werner Herzog documentaries comforting, where there's something something comforting about someone being like, Oh, we're fucked. And mm-hmm. just saying it out loud and just being like, Oh, we're fucked, but it's also fate like comforting to be fatalistic in a certain way, to be like, Oh, and the world mm-hmm. will end in cleansing lava from the volcano that's going to explode. Well, this is like our Leonard Cohen conversation that we were having where it was, it, there's something about listening to Leonard Cohen where there's the sense that like it has always been this way and things are always going to be this fu- that like you just need to figure out how to adjust your mindset well, to a what, Leonard Cohen lifestyle. Yeah, what was so scary about this campaign by the right was that they started saying all the things out loud that they'd always been saying in a veiled way the entire time, which is like, you know, 
racist things yeah. and classist things and sexist things. that's just things. during our lifetime. They also yeah, said they, that shit in the 70s. I know, but they, they I feel like they they tried to make it seem less just blatant. And then Trump was just like yeah. tying together all the scariest things in sort of the most, like, you know, what people keep saying, like not sugarcoating it. Just yeah. like, you don't want this person in your backyard. I'm going to get rid Say of them. It. We're going to take a break real quick, but we will be right back. Every generation thinks the sky is falling. And then the, I guess the counterpoint-ish to that or the rejoinder to that is maybe you need, the only thing that gives you the energy and passion to prevent the sky from falling is to believe that the sky is falling. Yes. Like every generation is full of like chicken littles, but also you need fucking chicken littles to prevent the apocalypse. If you think everything's going to be bad, then you'll always be pleasantly surprised. I guess. That's which again huh. is sort of the like core tenet of Judaism. Right. Just like everything's terrible. Right. But then if anything's not terrible, then you feel guilty that something good happens. It's a bonus. And plus there's, there are certain things in here. Like there is a moment where just as like one of the, the very like, you know, small silver linings, the one thing that you can cling to is feeling superior to the people that didn't see this coming right back in the, back in the moment. Like there, and so there's a, a, a shot in this of the 2011 white house correspondence dinner hosted by Seth Meyers and it's Seth Meyers making all these really like lame, kind of like nerf ball, Donald Trump jokes and everybody laughing politely because ha ha ha, it's hilarious. The idea that Donald Trump would ever run for president and everyone's laughing and no one's the only person who's not laughing is Donald Trump who looks like a statue. He's just like motionless listening to it. And it's, just kind of like you're like he's yeah. like yeah adding to the the the, the list the death camp list Seth Myers yeah. but it's just funny to watch it because like it is it, it it's absolutely predicated on the idea that like it is patently insane and impossible that we would ever have this happen let alone that we would have to worry about it in any way and so you can watch all of that sort of go down in this movie that's one of the threads that's in there there's also a lot about cyberspace which is interesting there's a lot about William Gibson and like about how in like Neuromancer you have this depiction of cyberspace that nobody's ever really you know like given a name to and sort of imagined before and it's a place where there's no government and capitalism just rules cash rules everything around you in cyberspace and uh, Curtis makes the suggest sort of suggests that rather than like we have all this stuff about like computers becoming self-aware and AI and all those things. And what that is actually metaphorizing is this future coming where there is no government and where like corporations are sentient actors in the universe. And like, they are more, they control like what we do in our society way more than like, you know, any government ever would. And they kind of tie together. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I was definitely have been frightened of Silicon Valley for a long time. You know, and I've been thinking like these people are evil and they have so much money. This doesn't seem good. Uh, And so the alliance between Silicon Valley and the new evil regime was not that surprising because I had this revelation of like, oh, well, it was because this this new story came out about, you know, Putin was directly involved in disrupting the election. And they use the word disrupt, which is Silicon Valley's favorite (laughs) word. Because, you know, they just want to disrupt the industry. And, like, what disrupt basically means is moving faster than the law. 
finding a loophole where you can do something that's illegal in a way that's not illegal yet because you thought of it before they thought to govern against it. Right. And your hope is the horse will be out of the barn and then you'll burn the barn down. Yeah. And like, well, can't put the horse back. So, yeah. No you barns. Know, maybe that's what happened. If there's no, you know, law against hacking DNC emails and leaking them to try and sway undecided voters, there's probably not a law against that. It's not good, but. Right, like they didn't do anything. They didn't put a right. gun to anyone's head and change anyone's votes that way. And they way. talk about how, how right. that became just sort of like how politics works in Russia now. And there's this guy, Sarkov, who's fascinating because he came out of theater. Mm-hmm. And I was saying like, there's no way this guy isn't into Brecht because it's just like, <laughs> I'm going to break the fourth wall of politics. <laughs> um, and he's the guy who had the idea to like pay off the... Just pay off everybody. Just pay your enemies, pay your friends. And then they also get to a point later where Donald Trump talks about like renting Gaddafi some land when he came back to America and being like, yeah, and I screwed him because that's what we should do. Ha ha. Like just that if you have money to throw at people, you have just unlimited power. And so when the story came out about like Donald Trump being the Manchurian candidate of Russia, which again, like all of this would be so funny if it weren't so terrifying. It's like almost so funny. Um, and then the other story came out about like, oh, maybe he's also being a puppet of Turkey. That is the best. I was like, I, I promise you that it's like the producers <laughs> and that he just sold a share in like manipulating the election to anybody who wanted one. I, I tweeted about this, but I was like, can you just imagine when Trump's Russian handlers run into his Turkish handlers in, like, the parking lot of Trump Tower, like, underground. Like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be here on Thursday, asshole. <laughs> like, there's – how much competition is there for a slice of secretly controlling Trump in, like, the dictator market right now? It's basically, like, when different people are trying to control John Malkovich and John Me and yeah. John Malkovich where they're – it's like, this was my day. I feel like it's – to me, I'm like, this is like – where Mr. Burns has every disease and like maybe we can like reach a safe equilibrium if every enemy has a piece of this motherfucker. Um, my, the thing I wanted to bring up about scary apocalypses, because I've been thinking about this a lot, although I did not see this movie that you guys saw is um, that the, on the chicken little tip, I was like, I have underestimated every advance in like information technology like how much just doing things way faster actually means because it's like even like dystopian movies novels like 1984 if you think about that fascist government they don't have like information age technology the cameras don't reach everywhere and they're all monitored by human beings you know, or whatever. And there's a part of me that's like, there's a there's a line from um, The Invisibles um, where they're like, you know, the government can put CCTV everywhere, but uh, they can't stop the person who's supposed to be watching it from like jacking off or playing Doom or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but now Alexa or Siri is the one doing that a billion times. And like, they can prevent Siri for now until Westworld happens from from doing her own thing. And maybe we are at a point where there is no resistance. Like, there's just like, yeah, they can see everything and they will actually pay attention and understand everything. And like, maybe we actually are fucked. Sorry, that's my we actually are fucked moment. I think if you start from a position of we're totally fucked, that that is where you can find ways out of that. If you start from like, it's going to be fine, which is maybe how we all were dealing with the election was like, we just, it just has to be over and then it'll be fine. 
But no, I had to think about, and I think that's probably my attraction to these movies is that I had to go to as far out as I could go, like in terms of thinking about things being terrible from now on. Like I needed just to be like, what is the actual scenario going to be like where this is going to happen? Like is, is it going to be that the they're going to introduce the self-driving truck and then all of the truck drivers, which is the biggest uh, uh, occupation in America, will uh, cease to exist as an occupation and that will plunge us into like – you know, an irreparable sort of economic collapse. Also, the self-driving trucks are going to kill everybody. Look. Yeah, but that's the... That's, I, like, the, that's the upside. I think yeah. we, no, look, I think we'll die in an economic apocalypse long before maximum overdrive happens because I feel like the self-driving trucks will not be like ready to kill us just yet. Like the the like the internet of things will not get to rise up because the environment will you know take the earth with it. You know, you need an earth for there to be, you know, killer robots. I don't know, space robots. Well, look, space robot no, it's fair. It's it, it, it's it's all fair. It all can happen. But yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think that's what is, you know, the, is appealing about these movies is that you can, you once, if you can start from like, we're so fucked, then you, at least in your head, you can feel like, okay, I'm making informed decisions. I'm having informed thoughts about how fucked things are. And I might at some point get to, from this place, a healthier place or a place of growth or building or creating something. I don't know. His big thing is that, this idea that people have no conception of what a better future would look like. And mm-hmm. so that when governments are overthrown, people don't know what to do after that. And then somebody who's a dick comes in and takes oh, power yeah. because dicks are like, here's what we need to do. Yeah. 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 And the internet based revolutions don't work because it's they're really good. They're ultimately like managerial revolutions. You can organize a lot of people using like crowdsourcing and the, not crowdsourcing, but you know, like those, the, the like the, the sort of whether it's Occupy or like the Arab spring, like he talks about both of these things and like, it's really easy to get, tell a bunch, use like Twitter to get a bunch of people out in the street, but like, there's no idea behind the thing. So ultimately they kind of like stall out and he sort of like talks about Occupy and Occupy sort of stalls out in like procedure because they know how, like they're trying to imagine a world without power. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've no, also, their ideals are like by definition unworkable. Yeah. And we've seen communism fail too many times for anyone to be like, that's what's going to work. You know, yeah. it's nobody's even on that tip, which is why my other favorite comforting movie about depressing stuff is Reds, which is about <laughs> Americans getting really invested in the Russian Revolution and then the folly of that, of being like, this is going to be great and then it's going to come to America. Uh, but I also now am becoming more of the person who's like, we need just a total, just to start over. <laughs> we need to start. I mean, Again. we're practically at city states. Like you know, we pay we pay some protection money to the federal government to keep the nukes running, but basically, California, L.A. It's like, well, well don't come. I'll too tell near you us. my. I think I've said maybe said this before, but I'll say it again. Um, I think if we're gonna do Cal Exit, we got to get the Pacific Northwest involved. Yeah, Cascadia. Uh, and we gotta just uh, give Mexico back California. Mm. Oh, I see. So we all have to move north and then we No, we get surrender. to stay. We just give we're it Mexico. We're Mexico. We give it back to Mexico. We undo the we give them reparations. I'm looking at the Cascadian uh, border here. And actually <laughs> that that's that that's a separate that I don't think does that include that there's some I think there's some We need water. There's a little bit of northern uh, California in Cascadia. Yeah, we need well, we need desalination probably. Um, also, I don't actually endorse this. I'm just thinking about yeah. all the possibilities. 
Uh, I feel like this is one like we were talking in the previous show about things that are things that are ruined by their fans. Like something tells me <laughs> that like the California separatist movement that I would be cured of thinking it's a good idea by meeting well, the people that. Oh yeah. If you were into California separatism, the people who are really into it are Silicon Valley yeah, people who are the last are people I want it. in charge of yeah. anything. See, that's the problem. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to live like uh, under Peter Thiel's throne of skulls. No, yeah. I don't want any of these fucking crazy white guys in charge. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back with more Andrew T. Guys, I mean, it is so easy to write a computer program. You, I mean, look, I've shown that I don't have the business acumen to understand that stuff, but like, I did a little computer programming in my 20s. That shit is simple and for idiots. We need some white hat hackers. Yeah, okay. Where, what, someone has Trump's emails. Yeah, where are those people? That That's is what I'm crazy saying. to me. There's gotta be hackers, hackers if you're listening. Just interested find. in pure anarchy. But also, even the DNC hacks weren't really anarchy. They were just seemed like, you know, a, oh, a hacker made this happen, but now we know that. It was a hacker directed by a government, probably. Well, the weird part, too, is that and this is another thing that I want someone to sort of, you know, talk to me about at this moment. Like, I know, like, I read, like, Wired magazine articles, like, you know, ad nauseum about hackers in the 90s, like, back <laughs> when that was happening. Like, who are those cool people? Hackers. Cool hackers. When there was, like, tired not being a hacker. <laughs> wired. Like, yeah. But, like, we now talk about them. It's like, like, obviously, like, you have Trump sort of saying, like, it's very hard unless you catch them in the act, which is, no, that's burglary like <laughs> that's different like there's actually a trail but like i want to know who these people are and like why is it that like they're sort of like like i guess maybe it's because it's just another sort of like dirty thing that the left won't do that the right is like absolutely willing to do but i want to know who these people are what do they believe like where are they coming from ideologically that's not, i i'm i'm with you though it's like we you know you can't be like oh well it wouldn't be fair to do such and such thing when the other team is like using every unfair tactic they can possibly find then you don't yeah. get anything for being like morally good well i initially thought it was just strategic they were like hillary's going to win it's not going to it's not a good look to put all this shit this dirty shit that we're definitely doing out there but i don't know why they're not doing it now other than i guess the calculus is it will so undermine all of democracy that like, it could it's just time. Obviously, we've undermined democracy to a point where it can be manipulated this easily. Yeah, you well, heard it first on North Mollywood. <laughs> democracy is over. The People's Republic of North Mollywood. <laughs> this it starts in this room with these three people, and maybe Mukta. I don't want to speak for her. She, she, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It's it, yeah no, but it's you do get the feeling from watching this movie that it has been over. It is it, for a long time, and it has long since been replaced by all of these interlocking forces, which is kind of the the larger thesis of every Adam Curtis movie. Which is also what people's major criticism of Hillary was was like she's controlled by corporations and banks, and she's not the the great moral candidate she's pretending to be either. Yeah. And that's what you get. I mean, and so this is all just the equivalent of, you know, it's like there's shots of like, you know, dressage exhibitions in the in Russia and like the idea of political theater in Russia. And then it sort of turns around and is like and that differs from this. Like how exactly from what we do here. Right. In, in, in what way. So 
in, in I guess uh, North Bollywood says, don't vote. <laughs> no, we do not say that. <laughs> no, I know. Say- I, well, what I've been telling people on my podcast, because I've had a lot of really um, upset callers in the last couple of weeks, uh, is that um, like taking a page out of the right wing, the nominal sort of conservative book, which is that like everything is fucking local. Politics is just money, liberty, and, you know, optics. And, and so you can help people with money and to some degree with liberty just in your town. You know, if if you're upset that an action that Donald Trump does will, you know, hurt poor people, millions of poor people across this land, there are hundreds of poor people you see every day in your community that, you know, you can do as much with, you know, whatever your money, your volunteering, etc. And... As a bonus, it will make you feel less shitty to go out and do something. And it probably has more of an effect than like uh, texting Paul Ryan yeah. about stuff. I got surprised when I called Paul Ryan because I I because he picked up and he was like, but, oh, I mean, hello, Andrew. They, well, they, they everyone was like, the voicemail's full, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then it actually picked up. And I was like, oh, I didn't have my thing prepared. He's a really big fan of Yo, Is This Racist? <laughs> yeah, like, clearly. Is that, is that Put him on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, check out my podcast, Yo, Is This Paul Ryan? Oh, sure. Fuck <laughs> Yo, is. is this new? He's like, yeah, oh, no, North Mollywood, good new metal coverage on there. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, is this a deficit? <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> we don't care. We don't really care. If we can bring Anthony Weiner down with some DMs. Yeah. You fucking know that there are some bad people on the right DM and some teenagers. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it is like, there's no way that other shoe has to drop. And then we have to be in a political and probably frankly, social climate where literally everything you have ever done on the internet is publicly available to someone, which is basically how it is. Yeah. Everyone just lives under the illusion that their internet lives exist separately. But, but again, that's what I was saying earlier is that like, Everyone, I, a little bit, every citizen or non-citizen, every person, every civilian has this thing where you're like, well, ultimately, would they really come after me? You know, who am I? What, what, no matter like what embarrassing shit you have in your past, I'm like, uh, it wouldn't be worth the effort because it would take a person or a couple people to do that. But we are like on the verge of having AI good enough that it's just like everyone. You know, it's not like... You know, the FBI, the entire might of the FBI is bringing down Martin Luther King. It's like that level of information gathering and parsing for everyone who's ever met Martin Luther King. You also don't even have to put a wire on somebody. Yeah. You can just make their phone listen to stuff. That's I your big thing. I love maintain. how much you love. You're a one. This is this I'm is. I'm a one woman army for. You're uh, one issue your candidate. Can about, you. <laughs> yeah, your phone can hear you. If there's well, one no, thing I'm that people saying, get from you, remember when there was that profile of Taylor Swift? I think it was last year in Rolling Stone, where that was her big issue was that she was like Nixon level paranoid about that your phone, if it can take pictures of other people, could secretly be taking pictures of you. If you mm-hmm. can record other people and you have a mic on it, it could secretly be recording you. And she was coming at it from a point of like. I don't want footage of like me in a changing room to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that there are people who are trying to hack her because she's like a public important person. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any situation in which recordings of Taylor Swift would become an issue uh, in, in terms of something getting out that she didn't want. She doesn't want her happen. naked body to get out. That's <laughs> no, the main I'm, thing. I mean, I'm, I'm saying she also got doxxed by Kim oh, and yeah. Kanye. Like that, like those things are those things are real. It's, it's like true. obviously yeah. she like just because you're paranoid, etc. Doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. So my new thing is that we have to meet in phoneless spaces. 
Uh, we have to meet in like saunas like they do in the mafia <laughs> because that's how you know that you're not going to get taped. I like to the sauna has a camera in it. I yeah. like to create phoneless spaces in in my life as well. I feel like that's a good. There was definitely a moment when I was like, I should put down my phone and focus on this Adam Curtis movie about how the internet <laughs> is an illusory space that we've created that prevents us from thinking about the future because that's just like too ironic. Yeah, like I need to stick this in a couch cushion so I won't like look at Twitter instead of this movie. I okay. feel relieved when but, my phone dies sometimes. But like we're because that's I think the problem is we're like still thinking and the old style. I'm just saying like we are within somebody's lifetime unless there's some Moore's Law reason. We're going to be talking about like cubic millimeter sized drones that have full camera and audio that are every 10 feet. Oh, when I was you know driving I mean? yeah. home from this podcast last week, uh, there was a drone over Hollywood. And then I was like, now I'm stuck in traffic, like trying to see if I can get my own phone out fast enough to like capture video of this drone that's flying over us that yeah. nobody knows whose it is. No, I mean, I think the idea is eventually we have to live with zero expectation of privacy. Yeah. Or that it becomes right? the greatest luxury in the world. Like that only yeah, yeah. the very fanciest people. Which has afford. already happened to celebrities. They it's can't true. go anywhere without the expectation that someone's going to record them being. Yeah. So you just have to sit in your house all day and hope nobody flies a drone into your chimney. Oh, no. Yeah, I think that's your house is like whatever. It's got a million things that you brought in. Your Alexa, your fucking Xbox One. Is that the one with the camera that scans your entire body? It's, isn't it the Wii? Because it makes a Wii, it makes an avatar for you. Oh. I don't know. I think there's but, one that's like of your full body motion capture. Shit. But it doesn't even matter because they're putting the internet on so many things that don't seem to need to have the internet on them, like refrigerators yeah. and stuff. Oh, so yeah. like then like <laughs> that's like like have you seen the people like who go to like a Home Depot and like put like Pornhub up on the uh, internet <laughs> in the refrigerator, so like just yeah. like bookmark it. <laughs> On there, which is awesome, but like, why does a refrigerator need to connect to the internet? What possible thing does it need to know from the internet? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we thought about the kitchen of the future also being like a panopticon. That- but they do, look. There's the thing. There's a toy. There's like these like children's toys now that talk to the internet. I forget if we did I bring that up last week. I'm obsessed with these things. But like, there's these like like kids toys for the holidays that like they're supposed to be like they'll talk to you in like the way a Teddy Ruxpin does. But a Teddy Ruxpin was like a tape player this is actually a thing that connects the internet and can answer your questions like answer your kids questions but then also takes all of your information and is broadcasting it all the time yeah yeah and is basically the chucky of the like information state well it's like we've made all this information digital everybody's bank records and everything exist online so that also makes all those things way easier to get to all right, look, we have only a little bit more time. No, I want to know. I want to get to a place. I, I want us to get to a place where at least like there's some sort of like some next steps. Where do we go from here? What do we, Knowing all this, we've just sat here being like oh, so smart and so woke about everything. No. What do we actually what, – what, what can we do? What can the listeners of the show do? Well, I think what Andrew said, I think local outreach is the one thing you can do that will make you feel like you're actually doing something because you are. Right. I think uh, – well, and, and I think that the thing that people don't like about local outreach and whatnot is that it's like, oh, it's a drop in the bucket. But like the thing to keep in mind is everything is a drop in the bucket. Yeah, a drop a in the bucket. A vote is a drop in the bucket. But that's like a, you know, I don't feel productive arguing with people on Twitter. I only do it to make jokes about the apocalypse that I. And I'm also I'm like, do we all around. need to quit Twitter? 
because they gave Donald Trump a platform. Yeah. Well, I, even if the, even not for that reason, but like you know that like they in the DJ Khaled sense like w- would rather we stay on Twitter all day long arguing about of whether course. or not the yeah, new yeah. head of the DNC should be Keith Ellison or somebody else, Tom Perez or whatever. Like having that argument because it, it keeps us out of the streets and keeps us from you know doing, organizing, do, organizing, yeah. and actually doing whatever you know, getting out of the matrix, getting out of the matrix in 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 some way. I would say yeah. Do just do a thing. Do whatever the hell else you're doing, but fucking help one person. Do yeah. a thing that is not virtual. Do a thing that is not yeah. just about signal boosting yeah. some kind of thing. Like because I, I guess money. I mean, it's fine. If if the if the 18 to 24 year old uh, affluent males who listen to this podcast want to give money uh, as your thing, that's also fine. But just do something. Like it, it's you know. Also, my main directive is that people need to listen to each other instead of just like talking at each other all the time, because it does feel like people are arguing over like what's the important story to pay attention to at any given moment. Mm. People are being like yesterday. It was like, oh, don't let this Kanye and Trump meeting like sheeple, you know, make sure you're really following the real stories. Watch the skies for this turkey story. And it's like I can pay attention to both. I can be freaked out about both. I can be freaked out about like 10 things at once. You know, I will say this though, like you can also pay attention to none of them and and here's here's my my final thing into throwing yourself into some kind of work, which is now I'm realizing it's sounding quasi-religious, no, which is that cool. there there are many quote unquote deplorable people who, you know, hateful views about all kinds of people who do fucking tons of shit to help people there are people in with religious views that are like truly abhorrent who also feed poor people every fucking sunday and like those people rightly i think ultimately on some level get to think they're not the worst people and like that's why religion seems comforting yeah well and that's the good part of religion and look the the argument against it is of course those people it's very like targeted and with an agenda and like they don't help all people equally and they definitely hurt other people but they also like put their back into some shit that is like a thing that we don't do as much as we should including me i was like just after the election i my most helpless moments i was like i should just volunteer a little bit and i haven't been doing it enough and just like do something to get the ball rolling. So like that to me is like, and it's just, there's so many fucking, I mean, even LA where, which is like a, you know, a city that's probably going to be mostly okay. There is an ungodly number of homeless people out there. So just fucking do something. And then also while you're at the soup kitchen, you can still argue on Twitter. That's that's my pitch. And you'll do so from a position of much greater moral authority. <laughs> yeah. You actually did something. Yeah. Every, every sheeple is like, Amplified by a billion when you've actually helped a person. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Andrew on volunteer at your local youth shelters and homeless shelters. And anything. Anything that, you know, is a, a one-to-one connection of making somebody's life vaguely better. Well, and sorry, I, I keep jumping in. But also, it's you can use that to, like, I, I find, like, the, oh, you got to, like, understand racists and bigots thing a little bit annoying but it's like look we can maybe meet them halfway like i i think like a lot of the views of like the salvation army are terrible but they fucking actually help people and so it's like 
you know, you could even meet halfway there, meet with people in a religious context if you're not religious or whatever. But there maybe I feel like that dialogue is better than having to argue like people's basic humanity. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, what about the logistics of moving these potatoes? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, there's a great uh, on the uh, one of our other podcasts, the stakes uh, on their Standing Rock episode, the uh, uh, which was a, it will be to you a few weeks ago now, or like a month ago now. There's a line in there where one of the people interviewed in the piece is talking to a group of volunteers and saying like everybody, I forget what the actual quote is, but it's like everybody wants to go to the barricades, but nobody wants to do the dishes. And I feel like that's really the thing. It's like if you can't figure out what to do, like there's probably an organization near you that has logistical problems that are similar to the things that you have dealt with in any sort of normal job that you have had where like somebody needs like unglamorous, unsexy, unrevolutionary feeling tasks done and like filing and like dishes and like stuff like that. And, hey, like, man, calling domestic work important is revolutionary but yeah that's what i'm saying no i mean look i'm just i i'm looking for actually i love doing dishes and so i'm looking for any I like it sort too, of because it's an excuse to touch water now yeah <laughs> no exactly oh wow I did like you it. get flown in from a different dystopia <laughs> uh it's called california molly you're not allowed to touch water you were born you were born with the, the uh, green triangle on your head there's no way here like, with the green gem in your hand there's you'll never touch water as long as you live you're one of the fire trollers um yeah it's, it's divergent yes <laughs> you're the tumbling people you only tumble you can't jump that's <laughs> uh, like the point you know, you'll never <laughs> um yeah what's your so uh dystopias what uh dystopias have been resonating with y'all as as we have uh now that we live um, in one unfortunately the handmaid's tale is like a documentary kind of feeling Oh yeah. Uh, there will be a a TV version of it coming out next year. Right. Liz- with Lizzie Moss. Elizabeth Moss in it. Uh but I, you know, I'm in some weird way like, oh, maybe we'll get some good feminist sci-fi finally after all the like, you mm-hmm. know, quasi-religious boring sci-fi. Maybe we'll get some like interesting sci-fi about race and class and gender. That's the kind of sci-fi I like. Maybe we'll get some Octavia Butler I thought you were just going to call her Octavia. My girl, Octavia. Um, Octavia Butler adaptations that I would like to have. You were talking about reading China Mieville. Yeah, I've been reading, um, rereading some of his short stories and then uh, reading this book, a young adult novel he wrote called Rail Sea that's basically uh, a retelling of Moby Dick, but in the future where the... Oh, is that the one where people are trains? No, but the world is covered that's, in that's Starlight Express. The world, the world is covered in train tracks, and that's the rail sea. And they they hunt these gigantic moles and bugs. And the captain of this mole train is going after her white mole, and then the the young. I don't really remember Moby Dick is the problem, but uh, it's fucking good. But it's very just. I mean, it takes place far in the future. There's these drones that fly around that they that repair the tracks every day that are called angels, but they don't they don't seem to acknowledge or interact all these with the the people on the trains, and so they're both dangerous and um, necessary. And uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things where there's a moment of like, well, maybe life will go on in some fucked up way, but also. I mean, the, the the real apocalypse is like, I'm like, right, you can never fucking imagine it. Like, you have no idea how weird it's going to be. And it's not going to look like anything that we've seen before. I don't know. Well, on that note. <laughs> 
Thanks for coming in, Andrew. No problem. We hope you enjoyed your time on this earth. <laughs> uh, we'll be an angel you. or get got by an angel. See you, see you in the sky. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MTV Podcasts and subscribe to this and other MTV Podcasts wherever you find your favorite shows. <laughs>